When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey girls, welcome back to my podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking about the messiness of healing. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting me. If you have a second, will you please, please, please make a little um, review or write a little review on Apple Podcasts. I have a ton of reviews on Spotify and if you're on Spotify, leave me a review as well. But if you're on Apple Podcasts, really leave me a review because I really want more reviews on Apple Podcasts because I have a ton on Spotify and I'd love to hit like 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts and I was like okay so I was talking to my my boyfriend Jeremiah and he has like the amount of uh, listens on his podcast that he has in total is what I get like every two weeks and I'm like and he has so many more he has so many reviews it's like almost as close to how many I have and I'm like oh my gosh I need more reviews on my podcast so leave me a review if you have a second and and with that we'll get into our episode and just want to say thank you guys so much I'm just really honored and grateful to share and to be received and to be heard and to be received in such a beautiful way and yeah I just love you guys all so much so thank you so much and yeah so let's just get into our episode so I know that healing can seem like it's supposed to be perfect and it seems like a lot of times healing is for people becoming a way for their perfectionism to just find a new route But the truth is that healing is really messy and it's about the radical grace and love you give to yourself in your messiness currently and in your past messiness. That's actually what healing, that's the real healing work. It's not about, you know, being perfect. It's not about having these prim, polished edges. It's about the way that you meet yourself in your shit. How radically loving with yourself are you? And I wanted to read this post that I posted the other day and I was posting about my new podcast cover, but I just want to kind of read it to kind of start this episode off. So I said, with everything that I share, know that the most important thing you can do is radically give grace and gentleness to yourself in all of your mistakes. I have made many, many mistakes and will continue to make mistakes. My triggers and trauma come up frequently. Sometimes I act out. Sometimes I know I'm being triggered, but I do it anyway. But how quickly I can return to love, return to my center, return to my embodiment is dependent upon how radically I can forgive myself in my slip ups and in my mistakes. In my two years of celibacy, which I reference often, 
I had no guidance and no coach. I was stumbling, making mistakes, self-soothing through intense anxiety and old trauma responses. I was radically choosing myself, my embodiment, the life I wanted, even in the midst of my experiences and my mistakes and my pain. I forgave myself a lot, cried a lot, and experienced the most radical shift into love, joy, freedom, and stability that I had ever had. My lack of self-judgment and my radical mothering of my own wounded heart and spirit created a safe space for me to begin to grow into the most true version of myself. And then here I'm talking about my, my podcast cover and whatnot, and I said here that When I started my podcast, I was still, even in all of my healing, messy and imperfect and trying my best to be the woman I knew I was. I committed to myself again and again and tried each time to keep choosing the right next step, even when it didn't look pretty. Now, over a year and a half later, a year and a half after my two years of celibacy, I've never felt better in my life. I'm the woman I prayed I would be. I have never felt so mature, centered, direct, clear, stable, loved, safe. I know what God wants of me. I know what this chapter requires of me and I'm bringing it forth. So that was my Instagram post and I'll link it in the bio, the description right here. But I really think that it taps on something that's very important that I think is kind of missing in this conversation. And I don't want to miss that in the healing work that I give out and that I offer to the world. I want every woman who's listening to know that your healing is in the moments of your messiness where you meet yourself with radical grace and understanding and love and no shame. Your next best step doesn't need to look you know, Instagram worthy, right? Like it doesn't need to look TikTok worthy or social media worthy. Like it doesn't need to look like something prim and pretty and packaged and perfect. It doesn't need to look that way. And in my healing journey, my shit looked like shit. Like it literally looked like shit. And even in my healing journey for when I was, you know, I had been on my healing journey, I would say, um, you know, now it's been almost 10 years, but you know, at the time, and I'm referencing, which is my celibacy period, which was two years, which was about five years into my healing journey. So my celibacy journey, I was, I was uh, two years celibate. And that was about uh, that time. It was, um, sorry, it was three years into my healing journey, but that whole period was like five years. So during those two years of me being, being celibate, when I tell you it didn't look pretty a lot of the time, a lot of the time I made mistakes. I was moving through intense anxiety, intense triggers. I see a lot of times online, people make it seem like the healing journey is just easy. Or if it's not easy, that decisions that you should make within it that would be empowering are easy to make. And it's just that once you understand what the decision is, let's say setting a boundary with a guy, that it's easy to do that once you understand what to do. And it's just not. Like the truth is that if you're coming from a background of real deep trauma, triggers, wounds, it's really, really, really hard. And Really what it is, is being able and what I do in my coaching program is being able to regulate through those difficult emotions. But what I wanted to do with this episode is just to validate that if you are making those decisions, even if the decision is small, even if the decision is just to feel a feeling fully, 
even if it's a decision to set a boundary that might seem easy to everybody else, but really emotionally dysregulates you when you do it, but you still choose to do it, then you're doing a really good job. And it doesn't need to be perfect in the fact that it doesn't need to be that when you make the decision to do something that it feels good. The truth is that you're going to be creating a new neural pathway. And so it's really probably not going to feel good in the beginning. Making healthy and healing decisions in the beginning of doing them, it's not going to feel good because they're not familiar. They're not familiar. Like the only things that feel familiar to your brain are making unhealthy decisions. And so when you start making good decisions for yourself and empowered decisions, it might feel really dysregulating. It might feel really shitty. But if you make it anyway, that is huge. And you don't need to have made it your decision or your boundary or your whatever it is in a way that looks perfect and prim. It doesn't need to be easy. It doesn't need to be like this. Yeah, I did that. And I didn't feel upset. I didn't feel scared. I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel my abandonment wounds didn't come up. My abandonment wounds, your abandonment wounds can still come up and you can make an empowered decision. And that's a win. Like it doesn't need to be that your emotions or your dysregulation doesn't come up you making a good decision is the healing journey, even if your abandonment wounds come up. And also you making a not great decision that, you know, comes from your wounds and enforces your trauma and enforces your limiting beliefs, you making that decision and then choosing to be gentle with yourself after having made the decision is also the healing journey. It doesn't need to look aesthetic. It doesn't need to look a certain way. And I feel like I see online sometimes, especially in the dating sphere, like the healing dating sphere, the dating advice sphere. And sometimes it kind of makes me sad because people feel like it's supposed to be this decision that you make or these boundaries that you set or these things that you do, but they're not supposed to you're supposed to just make them. And when you make them, you're supposed to feel good about making them. But the truth is that that's not going to be most people's case. That wasn't my case. When I made empowered decisions and I started really radically changing my life and making new decisions, it didn't feel good necessarily per se. I felt dysregulated. My abandonment wounds came up. I felt anxious. I felt upset. I felt hurt. I felt all the types of ways, but I still made that decision. And sometimes I didn't. And I loved myself through it. But I kept trying to make the best next decision, the next right step, as I call it. I kept trying to make the next right step. And even when I didn't make the next right step, me loving myself through having not made the next right step was the next right step. So I kept trying to make the next best step, the next right step for myself. And it really didn't look aesthetic or healing a lot of the time. It looked like I would get really upset or I would feel hurt or I would feel, you know, I would feel a lot of times I would get in this like acting out space. I would make a good decision, but I would feel like really dysregulated after. And I would, you know, feel have all of this energy after. And I would like I made a private Twitter account that I deleted now, but it was private. And I had one follower, which was my friend, Suze. And 
I would just tweet nonsense. Like I had so much dysregulated energy when I would be making good decisions in my life because it was new and it was unfamiliar that I would have to like literally go on a run or sometimes I would act out or I would just tweet the most random and insane shit because I had so much dysregulated energy when I would be making good decisions. And yeah, I just wanted to make this episode to talk about the fact that it doesn't need to look pretty and aesthetic because in my journey, I just kept making the next right step. And even when I didn't make the next right step, I was like, what can I do to make the next right step? And a lot of times that was radically loving myself through the fact that I didn't make the next right step. And that was the next right step. So then I made the next right step, right? So it was like, there's so, it it doesn't need to look like when you are setting a boundary, you don't need to be unafraid. You can be afraid and set the boundary anyway. You can be messy with it and all your abandonment wounds can come up and you can set the boundary and that's the next right step for you. In the healing journey, you have to understand that you're creating new neural pathways in your brain. And in the past, there's a neural pathway that's so easy to go down that is really, really developed where you act dysregulated and you're coming through your wounds and all this kind of stuff. And that's what I talk about when I say creating a new baseline of safety in your body. What I'm talking about, and I've talked about this in my celibacy journey. And if you want to look at my YouTube video on my two years of celibacy, that's where I really talk about creating this new baseline of safety. But what I'm really saying is that you have very comfortable neural pathways and a, a a baseline of your regulation of your nervous system that's comfortable even though it's unsafe, even though it's not healing, even though it's, it's not conducive to a healthy life, it's comfortable. It's established. It's an established neural pathway and an established level of regulation of your nervous system that's been established since childhood. And part of the healing journey is creating a new baseline of nervous system regulation and new neural pathways in your brain. And in the process of doing that, it is not necessarily going to look pretty. It's going to look messy. It will look messy, I promise. But can you love yourself through your messiness? Can you understand that your healing journey doesn't need to not be messy? It can be messy and joyful and sad and happy all at the same time. You can find that joy underneath the messiness. The messiness that you're experiencing can just be the waves of chaos and you are the shore, the sand, the bottom underneath. It doesn't need to look perfect. Your healing journey can look messy in the way that you emotionally respond to certain things that come up. That's normal, right? Like you're creating new neural pathways and I just wanted to talk about that because I feel like I've been disheartened sometimes when I hear, not disheartened, but I've just been sad when I hear some of my clients actually, this has been inspired by my clients, talk to me about like, they're like, wait, it can look messy? Like it doesn't, I can be in this phase that I'm in right now? And I'm like, yeah, I was in that too. It looked messy for me too. It wasn't easy. Like when I did, you know, made a new boundary or I says me or whatever, like it, I had probably messed up like 20 times before that and I loved myself through it. And then I finally made the next best decision at the end. And so that little journey to get to that was messy. But 
I was also resting in this love underneath the messiness that allowed me to kind of move through it in a really nurturing and understanding way. But the point here is, is that your journey can look messy. I saw this post actually from a, a mutual of mine who I really, I really love. I'm going to put her this link to the post in the bio or the description here. She wrote and she said, the difference between you and that bad bitch that you admire is very little except that she chose messy action over perfectionism and she did it over and over again. The best part, this is perfectly possible for you if you choose it. The woman you're becoming needs you to choose her, choose her wild feminine genius, choose her self-talk. And then she kind of went um, into this thing. But I just want to read again the difference between you and that bad bitch that you admire. Very little, except that she chose messy action over perfectionism and she did it over and over again. That is facts, like literally facts. In my own life, I chose messy, messy, messy as fuck action over perfectionism. And I did it over and over again. When I tell you I did it over and over again, I, my journey looked messy and I chose that messy action, messy action. What's the next best step? How can the next best step sometimes in a moment is to radically love yourself through your falling down. The healing journey isn't linear. It is not aesthetic a lot of the times if you've been in the trenches of emotional disempowerment as I have it is not an aesthetic journey it's not it's joyful because you're coming back home to yourself like when I tell you in my two years of celibacy I was moving through a ton of shit but at the same time um I was experiencing the most love and freedom and stability that I ever had in my life because I was finally returning home to myself I was finally self-sourcing my own validation, but it doesn't look necessarily aesthetic like me, you know, getting super triggered and then, um, you know, engaging with a guy that was toxic and me being so wanting to respond to this toxic guy and so afraid of not responding and then responding and then not responding. And then the next best step is to just not respond, even though I already did respond like that looks messy. It doesn't look like something I can post on TikTok and say, hey, like, uh, you know, a win today was that I messaged this guy back and forth for six hours. And then finally, I didn't respond like really, you know, what I mean, like that doesn't look aesthetic, but that's the next best step was me finally saying, no, I'm done with this. And even though I knew I was done six hours ago and I engaged with him over and over, I said no. Actually, a really good uh, you know, example was in the beginning of my, of my celibacy, there was a guy that I was, um, had the last guy I had dated. And when he would message me, I would just tell him like, no, I, I would say like, I'm not talking to anyone. I'm not doing this. Like, I don't want to talk to you. And I wouldn't talk to him. And then maybe like six months later, five or not six months, like three months later, he would reach out or something. And maybe I would respond. And then I'd again, catch myself and say, you know what? No, I can't do this. I'm done. And finally, eventually after a couple months, it was my last time. But in those few months where I continued to engage with him and I Every time I thought it was my last time, but then finally it was my last time. Like that was the best step.
Each time it was the best step when I was saying, no, I'm done with this. And then finally, a couple months later, I was fully done. But it took me a couple months and that didn't look pretty. Like it didn't look aesthetic. It didn't look cute, but I was trying my best. And because I kept taking that imperfect action where I would say, I'm done with this. And then maybe a month later, I'd falter a little bit. But because I kept getting back up, because I kept choosing it, because I didn't give up, because I didn't say, you know what, Ugh, I'm go- just going to go back into this or, you know, fine, I'm giving up on my my celibacy journey. I said, no, I'm every time, even if I slip up, I'm going to try again. I'm going to take that imperfect action again. I'm going to it's going to look messy. It doesn't look cute. It doesn't look aesthetic, but I'm going to try again. And finally, I did it right. I, I disconnected from this person, but it took a couple tries and That's kind of how the healing journey looks when you're coming out of real deep disempowerment. It might not look perfect. It might not look aesthetic. It might not look all these ways, but over time, and I promise you over time of taking imperfect action, exactly like my friend's post said, and I'm going to link her in the caption because she inspired what I'm saying right now. Um, Over time, it will add up and you will be free. It comes from your daily actions of choosing freedom over and over and over, choosing your... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details liberation, even when it doesn't look pretty, over time that adds up. And over time, you're in a totally different spot. So after a year of me and my celibacy journey of continually 
every day choosing, no, no, I don't want to go back to that. No, I don't want to go back to that. My old life was calling me. My old life was in my ear, right? Like my old life was ringing. My old life was trying to pull me back into it. The FOMO I was experiencing, right? Like even just having FOMO, I don't, I could never experience FOMO anymore because I don't give a damn. But at that time, I still gave a damn. So it was hard for me to choose a different life to move, I was living in LA at that time, to move out of LA. It was hard. I had to, you know, I had to choose a new life. I'm seeing all the people I used to hang out with all hanging out and doing this and that. And I knew I, I had a different plan. I had a different life. That life wasn't for me. That wounded bullshit life wasn't for me. But it was hard in the beginning. I had to move through all that shit of knowing that it wasn't for me, but still being attached to it and wanting it. And I had to still choose in those moments that imperfect action of, I don't, I I don't, my heart doesn't want this. I don't want this. Even if my wounds are getting activated and I still think I want to engage in that sort of life, lifestyle, all those wounds, I don't really want that. Like, how can I choose my heart? How can I step in the direction of where my heart is telling me to go? And that's messy and imperfect action, right? And I just wanted to make this episode too because I find that, you know, sometimes people get frustrated with themselves when they're in the thick of their healing journey, right? Like, I'm kind of out of it now. Like, obviously, the healing journey is for life, right? Like, you just keep healing and keep understanding yourself. But I'm out of the thick of it where I'm, I'm you know, coming through these, these deep, um, you know, abandonment wounds and these deep triggers, and these deep traumas. Like, I, I'm not, in, I'm just, you know, out of that, which is great because it can be a good example and to show people you can really choose this and it can really change. But it wasn't always easy. And I just wanted to talk about that because it didn't always look the way that it looks now. Like now it looks really nice, right? Like it looks, it's amazing now, which is the light at the end of the tunnel. And even in that time, I actually want to emphasize that the healing journey for me was actually fun. So like my celibacy journey, it wasn't like I was like moving through the shadows of life and just like super depressed all the time. It was actually the best time of my life. I was the most happy I'd ever been in my life. But my triggers and trauma would come up frequently. And I was still having to regulate through it and self-soothe through it and and really try to make new choices. But um, the choices that weren't familiar, good choices, healing choices, but I'd never made them before. So it was different, right? But it was still the most fun I'd ever had in my life because in my celibacy journey, I was actually choosing to finally live from my heart's core and find safety from within. And so I was taking myself on dates all the time. I moved to a new city where I could just be alone and fall in love with myself. I moved first to Madrid. Um, So I was in Spain and I was just falling in love with myself. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone around me. And I just was by myself and I fell in love with my own self. And I finally stopped relying on other people to try to bring that sort of happiness into my life and trying to cling to other people to try to feel accepted or loved. And I finally just started sourcing that from within. And it was literally life changing. Like it was actually the best time of my life. I was just constantly, you know, 
going to the park and just reading in the park after I was in school at the time. So after school and I would, you know, just go and go to this little cafe and every day I would read. I was reading You Can Heal Your Life at the time and it was just the best. And it was the most love and the most fun and the most security I'd ever experienced in my life because everything else prior to that was me just coming from my wounds even in my friendships right like I was just like oh my god I feel unworthy I feel unfulfilled I feel alone I feel scared I feel you know all these ways and so I want to be friends with people to like fill that void I used to people please as fuck in my girl friendships because I As a child, it was really hard for me to make friends. And so I always felt at a core level, really, really scared of not having friends. Like I felt really scared of being perceived as not having friends. And the that void that I felt within me of like not having friends made enabled me to then overextend in that space and constantly feel like I had FOMO. So therefore I'm constantly trying to be included, be invited, constantly trying to people please, constantly trying to engage with, with girls that I didn't even really like, but I was friends with them because I felt like I had to, I had to have something to fill that space. And when I made peace with that space and I fulfilled it and filled it with my own love and sense of self, everything changed everything changed when I started filling my voids with my own love and my own sovereignty everything changed so in this journey in my two years of celibacy it was difficult because all of my wounds were coming up but it was also extremely fulfilling and loving and just like so happy I was so happy all the time I'd never been so happy in my life because I was finally living from my heart's core, even though it was hard. And I wanted to just say that because a lot of times I also hear people saying like, you know, the healing journey is so hard. It's so, you know, dark. It's so terrible. And there can be times where healing is difficult for sure, but it doesn't need to be terrible. You know, in your difficulty, can you find that peace underneath that, that love underneath that where you're growing? And can you kind of resonate or rest in that space underneath all the drama and all of the play, like all of the play that's going on. This is all just a big play. And if you can just find the underneath space, underneath the play and see it as, oh my gosh, this is a difficult experience, but I'm growing and I'm here and I'm present and I'm making a good decision. And even if I didn't make a good decision, I'm going to love myself through not making a good decision. So I'm still good. Like it's still okay. And if we can rest in that space of nurturing and love and all of that that I'm talking about, then the difficulties you're going through aren't going to have as much of an effect on you and they're not going to feel so intense and so charged, right? Like when, for example, I was really trying to not engage with with um, men that were low quality and that just weren't the man for me that weren't the men that I knew that I wanted to be around. They were low quality men who were just not embodied at all. And I didn't want to be around it anymore. Um, But in that space, it was a little bit hard in the beginning for me to break free from that. And so in that space, could I, and I, I did at the time, can I find that love underneath that where I'm like wow I'm doing a really good job like it's really hard in this moment to like not respond or to like block somebody or to like 
never talk to them again. But can I find that like love, that undercurrent of love underneath the situation where I'm growing and I'm choosing myself like that feels really good. And so even in my pain, I can feel good. And I wrote something one time and I've referenced it before, but I said one time I wrote and I said, I'm crying, but I'm not upset. And I was and that was really real for me, like because I was able to find that undercurrent of love and nurturing and understanding and grace and forgiveness and mercy for my own self. So as I was going through the waves of drama and chaos and shit that was coming up, I could find that undercurrent and kind of there was a buffer and it wasn't as intense as emotionally charged. I could feel it fully. I would feel it. I would feel my emotions. But the story I created about it wasn't, oh my God, it's like so awful. I was just like, wow, I just felt all that. Okay, great. That's great. And then I can still have a good time, right? Like I can still enjoy myself learning and making mistakes. And here's another thing, like if you haven't done that, can you do that to yourself now in the fact that you haven't done that, which is a practice I do with my clients a lot of the time. Um, you know, if you haven't loved yourself through it or if you've made things, stories about things that they're way more difficult and that they're so awful and whatever, can you love that version of you that said those things, that made it so awful, that made it so, you know, um, that didn't radically love yourself through it? Can you love the version of yourself that didn't love yourself through it? Now, you know, that's real healing there. Um, and I go way deeper to in that in my coaching program. So I'm going to uh, cap that there so that my clients have that, you know, um, space where they're not having their their sessions being given out for free. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm just going to kind of cap that there. But that's yeah, that's like super important. So so I think that's really, really helpful. And something else I wanted to talk about today was I was reading in this new book. Um, I read The Prophet the other day. It was pretty a quick read because it was pretty short. Um, I finished uh, Magdalene Mysteries and that was like one of the best books I've ever read in my life. So I definitely recommend Magdalene Mysteries. Definitely read this book. Um, Magdalene Mysteries was amazing. And then right after I read The Prophet and there was this part of The Prophet and I'm going to read it right here where uh, Khalil said, who's the author, he said, the silence of aloneness reveals to their eyes their naked selves and they would escape. So what he's basically saying there is that like, you know, when you're in silence, you're naked just with yourself. And a lot of people don't like that because they want to distract themselves with media or, you know, people or sex or drugs or alcohol, whatever they can to distract themselves from the core of who they are. They will do that. And when I read that, I immediately my mind went to someone else, right? Like my mind went to. Um, you know, this, you know, okay, well, oh my gosh, I know who could use that. Like, you know, I could know, I know who could use that quote, like someone could really benefit from that. So someone in my family, right, I, my mind immediately went to it. And part of the healing journey is responding to your own thoughts, having a different perspective and a new way of meeting yourself. And Part of this for me was actually reprogramming my mind in like the very beginning of my healing journey, uh, like seven or so years ago. I 
for six months only listen to one artist and one um, form of music. It was just one artist and I only listened to this artist and I literally reprogrammed my mind to only speak in these very loving, radically loving ways um, of speaking to myself because I would only listen to this one artist and I would go home. I was in Argentina at the time. I would go home. I would listen to this music. I would go to school. I would listen to this music. I would go to the park. I would listen to this music. And so that's all I consumed for six months. And I refused to consume any other media. And I found myself after six months, I would speak to myself in the way that this artist had written in his songs. I would reprogram my mind to only speak in really radically loving and understanding and merciful ways to myself. And so a really big part of the healing journey is meeting your own thoughts. And so for example, um, when I was reading You Can Heal Your Life, something that they said to always do, which is super important, was to when you read something and you think to yourself, oh, so-and-so could really use this, take that away, like don't do that, and instead say, how could I use this? Because all of the time we love to like give it advice and we love to say like, how could, you know, all these other people could benefit from this shit, but we don't want to look at ourselves. And usually when we are immediately see something and we immediately try to say that someone else could benefit from it, we're the ones who actually need to hear that. And so when I read this, the silence of aloneness reveals to their eyes their naked selves and they would escape. I immediately thought of a family member and I was like, wow, he should read this. And then I met that thought and said, well, you know, actually, I'm not going to project onto a family member that they need this. Where could I use this in my life? Instead of saying that he could use this, which then avoids personal responsibility, where could I use this in my life? Well, you know what? A lot of times when I am in between tasks, I'll go on my phone and that's me just hiding from my own aloneness. That's me hiding from the present moment. I could really stop doing that. Like I could really make some strides there. I could really benefit from reading this right here and making a difference in my own life. And I think that's really helpful is, first of all, that strategy in general. But second of all, not taking your thoughts as fact and meeting your thoughts with something. So if you think a thought that isn't, you know, necessarily healing or helpful or whatever, you can just meet it. You don't have to judge it. You could just say, oh, I understand why I thought that, but this is a new way of thinking that I'd like to do. Um, you know, actually, like exactly what I did. Actually, you know, I don't want to just say that he could use this. I want to just not project. So I'm going to think, how could I use this? I understand why I thought he could use this. Maybe he can, but that's not my business. How could I use this? Because I'm probably projecting and just avoiding accountability here. You know what? I actually hide from my own aloneness when I check my phone right after I get out of the shower. So I could really benefit from not doing that. And that's a way that we can really bring healing into our life in this really small way by just meeting our thoughts. And, and I think that's really helpful. So, so yeah, so I wanted to talk about that too, because I just kind of read that, that quote the other day, but, but yeah, I wanted to, um, just make this episode about just the messiness of healing and, and how it doesn't have to look perfect and it doesn't have to look linear and it doesn't have to look, you know, 
healed, right? Like it doesn't need to look, you don't need to look healed. If you're not in, for example, I went through those two years of really working with my wounds and then I came out and I still do healing work 24-7. And like I said in my caption, I make mistakes 24-7. I come from my wounds all the time, um, but it's just not as intense anymore. And I can meet that so much better. And I, it's really not a problem anymore. Um, but I, when I was really going through that, I wasn't at this like space where I felt like, oh, I feel really, really you know, um, like I'm kind of out of this phase and you don't have to be out of the phase right now. Like you don't have to be out of that phase of like really like going in and doing the dirty work. Like sometimes we have to just go in and do that dirty work. And I did that for two years. I really did that dirty work where it was hard. It was like, you know, even though I was having the best time of my life, the work, the healing work I was doing was difficult. And it was more of that like heavy, dirty work that I was kind of moving through and sifting through. And, and I was actively trying to break free from an old life. And from, you know, a life that I was living before that I didn't want to live anymore. Just on one example, which is just being in abusive relationships. I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to be in these toxic and abusive relationships anymore. And I knew that I was choosing them. So leaving that life behind where I was constantly in relationships, constantly in abusive relationships, I had to leave that life behind. It was hard. And so... I didn't, that was the sacred phase that I was supposed to be in at that time. And right now is the sacred phase I'm supposed to be in right now. And in 10 years, I'm going to be in a different phase of my life. But my point is you don't have to be at the phase that I'm in. And I don't have to be at the phase that someone else is in. Honor the phase that you're in right now. Maybe you're in the thick of it right now. I've been there. It was hard. Maybe you're in the thick of it. You don't have to be at the end of it right now. You don't have to kind of be at the light at the end of the tunnel yet. Can you find joy and light in that darkness? That's the real treasure. So honor the phase and the cycle that you're in. Even, you know, if you're uh, just, I mean, I was going to go into a different little tangent there, but I'm not even going to. There's so many ways that you can apply that to your life, but just honor the phase that you're in. You don't have to be in a different phase at this moment. Maybe you're aspiring to um, work in a new job. For example, when I was aspiring to have a platform and even to have a podcast, right, which wasn't that long ago. It was like a year and a half, two years ago, which seems like forever now, but it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Um, And so a year and a half ago when I was trying to have a podcast and hoping that I would have a successful podcast, which I now do, that, you know, that was the phase I was in at that time. That was where I was supposed to be starting my podcast in the very beginning stages, trying, you know, really making an effort, learning a new skill. I'm not great at like computer stuff. So it was hard for me in the beginning. I didn't have to be at the phase of having a million downloads at that time. That wasn't my phase. Can I honor that? Can I be in non-resistance to the phase and the cycle that I'm in? And that's how we can find joy in our messiness, in the messiness of the healing journey. Um, so with that, I'm just going to leave you guys um, with those with those thoughts. And I really hope this was helpful. I love you guys so much. Please write a review on my Apple podcast should you feel moved to do so. And I will talk to you guys soon. Every Saturday at 12, I drop an episode. And usually I drop some more throughout the week too. Um, but you can always rely on Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I will talk to you guys soon. And yeah, bye. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.